Thank you for joining us on this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Today, we're talking with Paul Steck. Paul, did I get your name correct? You did. Good. Uh, well, I want to make sure we do that every time. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss. Lou's Hi, president Tim. of All Metal Forge Group, and he's the sponsor for Manufacturing Talk Radio. So we always appreciate the company's sponsorship so that we can do what we do, speaking with thought leaders like Paul Steck, who is the president of Exothermic Molding. A very cool name, Paul. I wonder, <clears throat> excuse me, before we get into this, if you could get give our listeners kind of a quick sketch of exothermic plastics, and then let's talk about some esoteric things that you're doing to grow. <laughs> okay, so the plastics are categorized in two ways. One are thermoplastics, which melts with heat and pressure, and the others are thermosets, which cross-link chemically. And exothermic describes the reaction of the thermoset plastic that we process, typically polyurethanes or dicyclopentadines, uh, which create heat when they're uh, reacting. The two, it's typically two chemical reagents that are, are, react, that are highly reactive, um, and when they're introduced to each other, they will solidify in a matter of seconds. Uh, so the reaction is fast and it generates a lot of heat. And um, we have to use machine metal molds typically that will act to remove the heat from the part. So it's a very niche process that specializes in large, typically large parts in small quantities. Paul, you could have been a yes, surgeon sir. and describing a surgery to me right now, I would have understood it better. But I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure that you are uh, have a place in this world in manufacturing. Are there many people, companies uh, like you that do what you're doing? Yeah, well, the, the reaction injection molding process is used in automotive parts like encapsulating steering wheels with the this, this soft touch and even office furniture. Uh, with polyurethanes that are self-skinning foams. Uh, our market niche is medical device enclosures, laboratory instrument enclosures, larger parts in smaller quantities. The market for that is very small. Uh, we may have a we may have a dozen, maybe a dozen competitors in North America. Uh, so it's good news, bad news. There's not a lot of competition, but there's also not a lot of business. Okay. But fascinating stuff but let's get into how you're growing your company and one of the things that we want to talk to you about Paul is investing in people you know we hear a lot about human resources and it's almost become kind of cliche but in fact if you pull the humans out of any business operation you don't have a business that's exactly right we we had a management review meeting uh, yesterday, virtually, um, these days. And uh, it's part of our quality, our ISO quality requirement that we have management review periodically. And um, uh, we, and recently we've undergone a major investment in, um, in management, really. And management is all about people. And it, it, uh, I've learned that it pays off uh, and we've been able to find very good people and by giving um, a, a nice hierarchy with reporting structures and key performance indicators uh, and uh, accurate descriptions of expectations, we have a uh, company that is performing better than it ever has before that. 
Well, that's quite a commentary for the process and uh, I, I congratulate you on that. So how did you get all that done? Because it's not easy, number one. Number two, manufacturing companies are typically very busy making things and they're not necessarily uh, out there uh, learning about how to make the transitions required to make a modern uh, manufacturing company. That's the entrepreneur's dilemma is making, uh, working in the company versus working on the company. I've worked in my company for 34 years now. Um, and I know that, um, you know, we all will exit at one point. And um, I, I decided that I needed to have an exit plan and I needed to have, I needed to try to build value into my company. And I knew I, as I get older, I can't carry the, I can't carry it on my shoulders anymore. So it was either going to collapse or collapse me or uh, take actions that would, uh, in, in, in truth, work have allow me to work on the company and the future of the company. And um, I've hired over the years. I've tried many different types of consultants, and I've been in many business groups, and I've tried many things. Uh, fortunately, the company has always been, you know, financially uh, viable. And um, I heard a, a gentleman speak at a, an event uh, that the New Jersey Manufacturing Extension Partnership put on NJMEP. Uh, I liked what he said. I had him do a proposal for helping me to structure my management team and my company so that I could, in fact, not work in the business anymore and be and really work um, strategically. And um, that plan started a little bit more than two years ago, and it's um, really worked amazingly well. Um, and it just so happens that technologies are you know, when you've done this for 34 years, you notice that things are changing faster and faster, which means um, not only do you have to react faster and faster and, 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 and do more things, but there's more opportunities also. Um, and so I'm, we really feel that we have tremendous opportunity in the future. Um, and really just because of the way we're structured and that we, we can be more forward thinking. I'm glad to hear uh... The, this part of the story regarding NJMEP, um, who we're uh, associated with, and uh, we know John Kennedy, the uh, CEO, uh, very well. And as of last month, he started doing a once a month NJMEP partnering, uh, manufacturing partnering, partner, partnering, making waves. And uh, that just started uh, this past month. And uh, we know a lot about what they do uh, and they, what they do across country. Uh, why, why don't you tell us your experience with NJMEP uh, to a greater depth? You went to them and said help. When, when you own a small business, um, it, it is lonely. And um, you, I, I personally look for support wherever I can find it. And um, especially with where manufacturing has been in the last decades, where 
you know, in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, it was very strong. And in the 70s, it started leaving the country for lower cost uh, provider countries. And we saw our, our manufacturing base erode. And of course, then a lot of the business opportunities eroded and, and went away also. It became very difficult to be competitive. And the NJMEP uh, facilitated um, assistance programs for small companies like mine to help us. Um, I'm not a marketing guy, uh, for instance, and it helped us to do marketing. I'm not a quality guy, so it helped us to, uh, the MJMEP helped us to um, learn ISO uh, manufacturing practices and become ISO certified. Um, I'm not, I didn't go to, you know, I didn't get an MBA uh, in school. So, um, you know, relearning all of the uh, structural um, requirements of a, a company's management um, um, while running a company becomes onerous. And I looked at the NJMEP to assist me with that also. So it's just um, a few examples, but I've been really, you know, um, working with the NJMEP for uh, probably over 20 years. You know, going, uh, talking again a little bit about NJMEP, uh, they, uh, they really do do a fine job of what they do. And they've got 51 centers, I think, throughout the country that do the things that you experienced uh, with them. Um, and uh, I think it's important that they continue to grow and get the message out because um, you know, we used to be 40 million people in manufacturing and now we're 12. Uh, that's a huge drop. Our birth rates are dropping. L last week, they came out and said that our life expectancy just dropped by one year, first time ever. Uh, so this, uh, and we're and people are retiring at the rate of uh, 10,000 people a day. Uh, if we don't bolster up manufacturing, which is at the core of our society, uh, we're, and I, I, I would use the word, but I won't, we'd be effed mm -hmm. in terms yeah. of, you know, and again, as I said before, think about, uh, think about where we'd be today if we had not had immigrants 120 years ago. Uh, there's a lot of things that we wouldn't have. I mean, we still might not have electricity, who knows? Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunately, uh, manufacturing is associated with factory jobs, which aren't, um, you know, parents really don't want their kids going into that field these days. And even the, the community college, the community colleges that have advanced manufacturing programs struggle to get traction to get people interested in it. And manufacturing is really technical and it takes a lot of um, education and knowledge to to uh, keep up with it. And it's, it's very engaging and, uh, you know, additive manufacturing being one um, is starting to bring more interest um, into manufacturing and making it also a little bit less labor intensive. I think the ones that need to be educated most about this are parents. Yeah, that's you right. Know, you, and you don't and, have to and, spend a quarter of a million to get the kid educated into a field that he's not going to be able to work in. Uh, you know, Go, go to a trade school and learn how to run a CNC machine and make $75,000 a year coming out of the school. 
Uh, yeah, with no, with very little debt uh, for your right. education. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, and it does it does come down to I mean, everyone has uh, talents and it does come down to really knowing what you want to do and not being afraid to do it. And, um, you know, somebody, some wise person like Thomas Edison once said, you know, uh, opportunities disguised by hard work and dirty hands or something like that. And um, there's plenty of opportunities in in, um, in the manufacturing environment these days. So Paul, Paul, let me ask you, as you went through this transition of working in the company to working on the company and finding people, and in Lou's experience, finding people is a challenge. Your hit to miss ratio is best case one in three, average is higher than that, one in six sometimes. What was your experience in finding one in, one in six? The, the right people. And, but as a result of that, I have people uh, that uh, work uh, with me and for me who've been with me for a quarter of a century. Uh, yeah. I got uh, two or three of those, a couple of tenors. I mean, you know, once you make that right choice, and if it is the right choice, uh, you can't go wrong. People are the core, the heart and soul of the of any company's ability to succeed, and sure. it it even even when you have fantastic people, there's still going to be differences. Um, sometimes it's in values, you know, or the way you expect to be treated or treat your customers, and there's all these little nuances, and sometimes they can get in the way of the big picture. But we've been very fortunate. Uh, the NJMEP uh, helped us to find people, and they've also helped us to train people. I haven't mentioned that. So we found our most senior uh, number two um, person through the NJMEP, and uh, it was a one-shot. It was a it was a one-shot deal. Um, actually, two. It, 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 one one person uh, went back into a different manufacturer, went into print, back into printing that we sourced through them. But um, the the gentleman that we hired is um, has been very very helpful to the company, and um, his experience is a little bit different than mine in that he's worked in larger companies and understands uh, the organizational structure and and. Um, and reporting and delegating and uh, um, having department leadership and training and, and all that. And, and we've been very effective in changing um, from, you know, a manager, an owner manager to um, a, a more professional structure. And it, it, it came down to the consultant that we're still using, who's outlined the plan that I, I bought into and facilitated the uh, completion of the plan. And now we're working on succession for me personally, um, because the business is um, at a stage where my, my input is not necessary on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's one of the most difficult things that I've been trying to deal with is removing myself and extracting myself from all the little details. You get used to uh, micromanaging and, and needing to know everything about everything and then passing it on to uh, other people and their ways of doing things is a very challenging leap of faith that has worked well, but it's really challenged me. And um, um, I'm learning to 
back away a little bit and and try to I try to keep my mouth shut at times or not send emails that I shouldn't send but it's been very very difficult as well as it's going and it's going very very well it's been very difficult um, as because um, I have to I have to go through like we'll call it a brain change uh, a little bit and it's um, it's when you get to be older it's it's more difficult to change. Well, I'm not going to admit to any of those negative things. That you, <laughs> you know, I'm probably 10, 15 years older than you. Okay. Uh, so I doubt it, but I'll accept that. I'll, I'll tell if you will. <laughs> I'm, I'm one year away from Medicare, a half a year away from Medicare. I'm 77. I'm, I'm 12 years past that. <laughs> All right, 60. so you're 13, not 15 years. So we'll give it to you. Right. It's close enough. <laughs> well, congratulations on um, on surviving manufacturing and uh, and remaining healthy. You look great. Thank you, thank you. Uh, we heard uh, we just interviewed somebody uh, uh, within the past 10 days who has come up with a software program that they will go into companies and literally digitally record everything that happens in a company, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and at 10 o'clock in the morning, this switch has to be flipped. That's recorded in this software program. And the purpose of it is that he is addressing the skill gap issue as we have been really talking about. And yes. it's, it's called knowledge transfer, Transfer. Formation. Trans, transfer. Uh, I, I, lo I lost Tran the word. Transfer. 77 years. I transfer. Guess. Yeah. Knowledge transfer. Yeah. And uh, he, it's in a computer. And every job, every person, they have their own um, sector uh, plan or uh, platform. So that when somebody comes in as a new job, knowing nothing about it, about the job, in three days they are trained. Now that doesn't mean that they're 110 uh, percent error-free, but in three days they're trained in the job. And part of the error thing that I just mentioned, there is a reduced uh, error factor because the program won't let you make a mistake. The machine, the program knows, no, 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 you're not wrong. Flip that button, not that button. <laughs> so uh, it's he interesting. That uh, uh, quality at a manufacturing plant has gone up immeasurably. So it's an interesting, interesting thought, and I'm glad to see that uh, there are people out there, such as yourself, who's working on trying to um, keep improve things, grow things, and sustain them. Uh, so I, I, I tip my hat off to you for that, Jim. Yeah, we've oh. we've um, one of the one of the things that we've been challenged with is having our department leaders train people to do you know their jobs. Right? I mean, the the real goal is that I train someone to do what I used to do, and it it trickles down that way. And people tend to want to protect their jobs, and they think that if they uh, train someone how to be as good as they are at you know, spray painting a car or, you know, in our case, spray painting a part or being a CNC machinist 
or being able to silkscreen, you know, uh, complex parts or, or whatever it is, they think that there's a chance they're gonna, um, you know, lose their job or have less value. But the truth is they, beca they become more valuable because of the ability to train and pass along knowledge. And then they can move up the ladder and, and, and pass it on. It's, it's kind of like multi-level marketing in a sense that if you, you know, the, the, the further up you go, the more value you have, as long as you're doing good for the, for the people that report to you. And it's, uh, that's the training that we do. We, and it, it's what you have to do. And you have to have, of, of course, during the pandemic, you realize that people, you know, um, either can't come to work or you have to work less. Um, and then you have to build, you realize the importance of redundancy um, of just specialties in your own company and training becomes even more important. Um, but we're a very, very labor intensive operation. There's, it's not, uh, material is low in the uh, overall cost and labor is very high in the cost. Um, and it's just very unusual to, to be in that realm. Uh, I would find it difficult for a computer to, to train someone how to you know, um, operate a, a molding machine because they're not automatic, they're manual or, mm -hmm. you know, paint a part or, or prepare a part for finishing. And, you know, it's a lot of this, a lot of hands-on and, and uh, touchy-feely things. Well, I guess the, the, the program that I was suggesting uh, uh, has its place. Everything yes. has its place. So. Okay. so, Paul, I want to ask you about changing technologies, not just the speed of change, but things are constantly changing. And you're in a very cutting-edge world. How are things changing in your manufacturing operation? Is it is it a plastic change, a process change, a thermal change? What's happening in your world? Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, you know, additive manufacturing. We've done a lot. Our molds molds are built through subtractive manufacturing, where you start with big big blocks, and our molds are big. They get to be you know three, four, five, six feet long, even longer at times. So. Uh, there's a lot of subtractive work, a lot of removing of metals um, and, and even plastics when we're fabricating plastic parts. Um, and um, the additive um, technology is powerful. And it's it, uh, in addition to um, saving time, it saves on skills. You know, there's a skills shortage in being a machinist. It takes years and years, um, arguably, to be a, a mold maker. Um, and this, you just can't take someone off and give them an apprenticeship and ask them to make molds. It doesn't work that way. Um, however, uh, additive manufacturing is, you know, it can in, um, sort of circumvent some of those skills just because of technology. So we're seeing just like in robotics, people aren't gonna have to drive trucks or drive cars and uh, serve food and, and all of that. It's, uh, it's technology is helping us to become more efficient and uh, cover up where the old skills aren't available to us anymore. So we have to be mindful of that. Um, and and it, whenever things change, you just have to be open to it. You know, someone approached me and said, we have this new material, um, you know, are you interested? And, and it was, it was, of course I'm interested, but what's it gonna take? And it's, it, you know, it's odiferous, it's, it smells up the plant if you're not careful about how you collect the fumes, not harmful, but just it smells bad. Um, secondly, there's no, there weren't any machines uh, mark on the market to produce the 
the, the chemistry. So we kind of had to invent that. So there was a lot of work behind getting involved in a new material, but we did it and we're in a position of offering it to the marketplace. Uh, and it's that's why you see this uh, flaming bullet behind me because this material has ballistic qualities. I mean, you can shoot, um, you know, military uh, uh, munitions at this material and it acts as a ballistic material, sometimes in a neat, unfilled, unreinforced state. So uh, having found that material and uh, invested years uh, and hundreds of thousands of dollars in becoming a processor of it, we have now a, a very nice opportunity to offer um, a superior material to the marketplace. That's it. Before we, uh, before we uh, wrap up uh, here, I'd like to have you give us your URL and an email address if you wish. Thank you. The name of the company is Exothermic Molding. Uh, the website address is www.exothermic.com, as you can see on, on my, off my shoulder here, there. Uh, E-X-O-T-H-E-R-M-I-C. And we're in Kenilworth, New Jersey. We have about 25 people, 10,000 square foot facility. Terrific, terrific, thank you. Great Thanks, stuff. Luke. Thanks, Tim, it was fun. Thank All you, right. and when you come up with a, uh, a, uh, a bigger sized version of uh, the speeding bullet, you know, like a um, you know, mortar shell, let us know, I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, you know, 3D printing is getting larger and larger too. And, and because our parts are big, uh, large format 3D printing is something that's in our, um, in our uh, radar uh, as, a, as an offering. So um, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, our new administration has given $30 billion this week uh, into research in 3D printing. So they really want to get that process commonplace. So, well, Paul, it's, I it's moving along. It's real. I congratulate you, Paul, for for making the transition from the day to day grind, which is less fun, to the more uh, esoteric and visionary work working on the company, which has got to be more fun. It's, it's more fun, it's uh, more challenging, and it's still day-to-day. -day. I mean, there's still uh, issues that are very, very challenging day-to-day, uh, -day and, and that's, um, that's never going to change. No doubt. Well, Paul, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Paul. Thank you both. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. And we've been speaking with Paul Steck, who is the president of Exothermic Molding. And if you would like to learn more about this or any of the other shows, please visit us at jacketmediaco.com where we have links to all of the podcasts that are produced by Jacket Media Co. You can also find us on C-Suite TV and C-Suite Radio Network. Again, thank you for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.